Welcome to the Australian Property Investment Podcast with your host, Aaron Christie-David. Each episode, we ask an expert to share their key insights for aspiring investors to make confident property choices. G'day, everyone. My name's Aaron Christie-David, and I'm your host of the Australian Property Investment Podcast, where we're all about helping investors on their journey to make better property decisions. And with that, on your journey comes trial, error, making mistakes. But I think most importantly is hearing from other investors as to how they've gone on their journey, uh, building their portfolio, uh, what has worked and maybe what hasn't worked. And I'm thrilled and pumped to have one of our wonderful clients, Leah Gore, join us today. Leah, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, not at all. Thanks for being here. I know it takes a lot of courage as, as a client, but also someone just to, to come and, and be really open about your, your journey, right? Everyone yeah. wants to have the portfolio already built, but everyone started somewhere. That's and, exactly right. And I think it's important to go on the journey because your journey has been incredible to watch. I mean, we're fortunate that we've been part of your journey, but also to see see your maturity and see you develop and see you become far more confident as well. You've been someone, I think, as a I'm certainly not blowing your horn here, but you're someone that has a wonderful demeanor. Like things don't uh, things don't affect you too much. Uh, I will touch on one of your settlements later, but I think that's when I look at you. That's one of the hallmarks of your success is that you have a wonderful temperament. And Thank you. That says a lot about you as a person. Probably says a lot about you as, as an investor as well. That you come to win your own skin. Yeah. Mm, yeah, most definitely. But that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> uh, not at all. Not at all. You, you've been great. So, Leah, why don't we start there and tell us a little bit about you as a, as a person, um, only as much as you're comfortable to divulge. But then uh, after, how about you kind of just take us on a journey saying, how did you get your start? And maybe we'll start with your first purchase as well. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm uh, 36 this year, so I'm uh, mid to late 30s now, and I oh, started mid 30s. Mid, mid. Yes, I'd like to stay with mid, but you know, I'm, I'm facing the honest truth now, yeah. so that's that's totally fine. Yeah. It's all part of life. Yeah. Um, and I've currently got two imp- two investment properties and my principal place of residence, which I've recently bought by selling what was an investment as well. Yeah. So I got started pretty early in the game. I was, I think, 23. Mm. Yes. I've been investing for a while and I've always worked in the arts and education space. So I work in live entertainment and events um, and I've also coupled that with working in education. So that's a bit about me. So, Leah, as a young, as a young 23-year-old, uh, typically what happens is you're starting out your, your career, so you don't have a lot in the way of savings or a deposit, and then your earnings aren't that high, so you're probably limited in how much you can borrow and, and ultimately spend for, for your first property. So how did you get your start to buy property number one? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, most 23-year-olds aren't buying property. It's not really something that um, you can afford to do. Mm. A lot of the time in your 20s, you're spending money on going out and having drinks and having fun with friends. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's that's exactly the situation that I was in. And I was also working full-time and I'd been working full-time for almost 12 months. So, I had a little bit of money saved because I was still living at home. Yeah. And funnily enough, as 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 my life and my story would have it, um, my sister actually decided that she was going to move home because she came back and announced that she was pregnant and she was going to move back to the family home and have the baby there. And I went, oh, um, 
is this something that I really want to stick around for? I thought, <laughs> I'm in my 20s. I don't want to come home at 3 o'clock in the morning and then wake up a screaming baby and yeah. all the rest the, of it. Or the other way around, a screaming baby wake you up. Yes, at exactly. Yeah. Exactly. At, at any rate, there was going to be a lack of sleep yeah. and I was still working full-time and I thought, I don't really want to do that just for my own personal sanity. Um, and also, you know, my sister probably needed a bit of time to get used to being a mother at that point too. Mm. So I decided it was time for me to get out of the family home. Um, I looked at a couple of rental places um, and to be perfectly honest, they were, they were pretty gross. Mm. Um, luckily, I had a bit of money saved up. Um, I don't think it was quite 20 grand, but it was, it was at least something. Yeah. Um, and I sort of weighed up the difference in contributing towards rent and being able to afford something. Um, the only way that I actually could make uh, buying a property possible was actually asking my parents to go guarantor right. for me on my yeah. first property. So what I ended up doing was finding a two-bedroom, one-bath, one-car space unit, and that became my first property purchase. Excellent. Very good. And that's why guarantor, guarantor loans are there, right, for a reason. They, they serve a very good purpose to help someone get into the market when you don't have a deposit but maybe you've got the borrowing capacity to support a guarantor loan, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. No, no issues, I guess, from family and money and, and the way the loan worked out for you as well? Yeah, the loan worked out fine. And the whole reasoning uh, behind getting a two-bedroom unit was so that I could get a housemate who would nice. also help me pay for my mortgage because it is a, it was a big thing. Mm. You know, you're in your 20s and you don't want to have that huge mortgage responsibility necessarily. I mean, I was working full-time and that wasn't an issue, but I still wanted to have money to spend on frivolous things as well. Mm. And having a housemate just really helped with that financial stability, I guess. Excellent. So you bought property number one, you've moved in that, for example, uh, did you do any work on that or how did you, I guess, how did you then increase the value in that property or how did that go for you? That's a, that's a really good question, actually. Yeah. I bought that in around about the time of the um, 2009 financial crisis. Yeah. So it was sort of at a lower price point and then just as life would have it, that property naturally uh, gained equi equity and accumulated in value. So it was a few years later and living in it and paying that mortgage, um, I just let it sit there basically and gain equity and yep. didn't really do anything to it apart from paint it. Nice. The lowest, uh, I'd say the lowest maintenance investor that I've seen trying to add value to their property, perhaps. But uh, <laughs> and then, and then what happened after that? At that stage, when did you kind of then consider the option to then buy number two? I came across uh, a scheme which is called NRAS, which stands for National Rental Affordability, um, and I had the opportunity to buy an investment property in that scheme. So it was a or is a one bed, one bath, one car space little unit. And I had enough equity in my first property to be able to purchase that one. So I used basically all the equity and it was an off the plan as well. Yeah. So I had a bit of time between signing that contract um, and actually starting to pay the mortgage on that. So okay. 
and that's great because I've still got that and it's rented out at a lower than market value. Um, but I do get uh, an incentive from the state government and also tax offsets from the federal government. So Excellent. I mean, off the plan, an, an apartment sometimes get a bad rap, right? Mm. which is uh, they're, um, they're dime a dozen, there's settlement risk, there's builder risk, for example, but your off-the-plan purchase is one of those, I guess, the positive stories that come out of it that you bought a property but then you had time for between being completed to maybe save some more cash or have your existing property increase in value as well, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, I mean, also I spoke to a few people and got the right advice. Um, I didn't buy into a, a unit block that was like 10 billion stories high mm. and like hundreds and hundreds of units. It's actually a, a, a lower rise unit block. I think it's only got three levels Oh, nice. um, and it's right down the road from a shopping centre and right across the road from a school. So I sort of looked at the area and looked at the statistics and you, I guess you've got to do your homework with mm. any investment, really. Very good. And then settled on that property and then you've also then gone to buy another investment property in the, in the background as well, right? Yeah. So I think uh, that first investment property, it was about 2013, 2014. Yeah. In 2015, I decided to move out of my first property and I started, I guess, what's referred to as rent vesting. So, uh, move out of my principal place of residence and then just start renting in areas where I couldn't necessarily afford to buy and rent instead. But that sort of gave me a bit more cash flow as well to buy another investment property whilst my two well, then rentals uh, were still accumulating in value, which I know is a bit of a weird way to do it, but um, I wanted to move to a sort of a quieter area, more yep. leafy and green. And in the area that I was looking in on the upper north shore of Sydney, I couldn't afford to live up there by purchasing, so I, I had yep. to rent. That's where rent investing has its place. It has a place in your in your life and it has a place as part of your growth plan, right, which was, mm. hey, look, I can still have a, a good lifestyle, so rent where I'd like to enjoy to live but then still have properties that are sitting in the background which tenants are now paying the mortgages on but also they're increasing in value as well, isn't it? And that, yeah. that's a that's a that's an option that served you very well because it helped you then springboard and buy your third property which that's where our paths crossed and yes um, and, um, <laughs> and look it was a very tight I think we could cast our mind back right a very tight settlement by the time you and I met and had a chat as well but um, even then I say I, I say to a lot of people you want to talk about tight settlements I think we did that in about a week and a half right that, that yeah settlement. yeah that so that investment property, which is in the southwest of Sydney, that was probably one of the most stressful periods <laughs> of my life. And you say that with a smile because you were smiling throughout the whole time as well. So I don't think you really you, you say it's trying. stressful, but um, <laughs> you were the most politely stressed out person that I'd met. Um, but yeah, I mean that was again a, a new property. Um, I mean there was plenty of changes going on in lending. From if I cast my mind back as well. So you probably mm. got caught in the crossfires of bank policies changing, but it didn't stop you. It didn't stop us to go, hey, look, we need to find a solution. And, and, and we and we all end up settling on, on, on your purchase. And 
that's gone on to to do some incredible heavy lifting as well in your portfolio, hasn't it? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I've been told that the investment properties which cause you the most amount of pain are actually <laughs> going to perform the best out of out of all of them, which is fantastic. But at the time, oh my goodness, yeah. I, I guess we should. I'll give a bit of context to yeah. to what actually happened. Um, so this Southwest Sydney house um, again. Bought off the plan because it was brand is a brand new suburb, which is fantastic. So it's seen so much growth. But you're right. The problem was that because there were so many changes taking place and uh, across the road from where this property was being built were these big power lines. Yeah. And I think I went to to you, Aaron, and said, "Look, uh, you know, I need help because this bank." says that the power lines are too close. However, where the house I was building was was exactly the same distance as all the other houses <laughs> in the street across from those power lines. So I, I how is everyone else getting funded and their loan settling and, and exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it just caused so much stress. And I think you tried with oh multiple banks until we mm. finally, finally got that through and you're right within you know within I think it was less than a week before yeah. it needed to be completed because the builder was going when are you going to when pay us settled. yeah correct <laughs> the breathing, so, breathing down your, you know, the builder was breathing down your back but exactly um, and I think that's what happens right sometimes your back's against the wall you ask we'll find a solution and it's and look where it, look where it is and that's why I'm like our role responsibility as any mortgage broker should be is get the job done and don't ever pass up great opportunities, not only because you would have missed your, lost your deposit, but also if you hadn't had the gusto to complete that transaction, then you would have missed out on all that extra growth that's come off the back of it as well. Exactly. And so a little bit of short-term pain has led to some really wonderful gains off the back of that. Exactly. I think yeah. that property was completed uh, towards the later end of 2018 mm. and it's 2021 now and it's doubled, more than yeah. doubled in value. So, you know, that just stands to reason. This is it. You got it. You got to stick with it, unfortunately. Yeah. And then you mentioned that you've sold one of your investment properties, but then you've gone on to buy your now home. And it's often a, a, an interesting crossroads for a lot of investors to go, when do you actually make the decision to then buy your family home? Because if you want to keep growing your portfolio, your home loan's non-deductible debt versus the investment lending. So take us through, I mean, is it part lifestyle? Is it just a time in your life where you go, hey, look, I want to put down some roots, for example, and I can come back to investing later. Let's just kind of get inside your head a little bit about how that decision was made as well. Yeah, well, that's a that's a really good case in point. Life changes and based on life changing is is what sort of brought me to this point. When I started rent vesting in 2015, I spoke to my accountant and she said that I can only live out of my principal place of residence and rent it out as an investment for a set period of time. So I either had to sell it within that time so to avoid paying capital gains tax or move back into it. So what I ended up doing, knowing that this unit, which, you know, I bought at 23 and it was great and it's super close to the city and, you know, really suited me in my 20s, doesn't really suit me and my fiancé and my puppy now, Um because, you know, life's changed. There's there's more of us and the puppy needs grass and room. 
obviously. <laughs> um, so it, I think it sort of just naturally came about. So that that first property, my partner actually helped me renovate and we renovated it with the idea of selling that so that we could buy this house that we're in nice. now. Yeah. Yeah, that's been this year. We, we renovated that and sold that at auction and that allowed us the funds to be able to purchase out of Sydney, which we've been talking about for a few years, which is for us a bit of a, it's how we can get a large house to live in with mm. a large yard space, um, but without paying Sydney prices, which I think yeah. a lot of people in our age group are encountering. It's definitely that transition, whether it's north, south, or uh, out, say, to the to the west, um, to the mountains, for example, a lot of Sydney sea change or tree change has gone, well, look, I can have the best of both worlds. I can still kind of have my foot in my Sydney role, for example, still get paid a Sydney wage, but then be a little bit, call it semi-regional, and have a lifestyle and also get a larger larger home as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I have to admit, you know, it's it's pretty good because yeah. I know that it's a mortgage that we can afford and yeah. also we're less than a kilometre from the water, which mm. we would never, ever have been able <laughs> to afford in Sydney. But we yeah. also would never have been able to afford this if I if I hadn't bought that first unit. Mm. And it's funny how you can, we always say you can connect the dots looking backwards going, that property then helped me buy the second and then helped me buy the third and now it's helped me buy my family home. But you only know that looking backwards and in hindsight and obviously making good quality decisions about the right property as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And getting getting the right advice and really looking into it with everything that you can because it is a big decision and at the end of the day it's a big asset but it's also a huge liability. So you've got to really cover yourself as well and make sure that the decisions that you're making aren't going to basically turn bad later on you want your investments to work for you in a positive way and continue yeah. to work positively spot on excellent uh like any investor there's a roller coaster that comes with it right whether that's something that's unforeseen that comes up from expense uh perspective have you had any i want to say nightmare because they're not nightmare stories but have you had any hiccups along on the way in your oh, journey? oh yeah, yeah most definitely there's particularly when you when you rent out properties, there's always mm. going to be something that happens. So um, in 2017, my first unit, the hot water service exploded in, wow. inside the unit and completely saturated all of the carpet. So we're talking <laughs> bedrooms, living room, hallway, kitchen floor was underwater. Wow. Like it just decimated pretty much all yeah. of the flooring in the unit and it was the middle of June and the obviously because everything got completely saturated all the carpets had to be ripped up but then the insurance company well they don't insurance companies don't really work fast yeah. um so it's, it's took, the middle of winter it's the that. middle <laughs> of winter and the insurance company's taking their sweet time to get around to putting the carpet in and the poor tenants decided to stay oh wow they stayed with concrete floors in the middle of winter. So it's, um, yeah, there's a lot of, and that was a lot of talking to insurance companies and, well, having insurance in the first place, mm. 100% always recommend that you do that. But also having a good property manager because you've got to talk to them so that they can liaise with the tenants. Yeah. Um, and then talking to strata because it impacted different areas of strata, like in the common areas. So, 
Yeah, things like that. I guess it's really important that you have a good team supporting you. The same as when you're going into investing, you know, you've got to have a great team. You've got to have great mortgage brokers. You've got to have people with the experience who know what they're what they're doing. Because when you do come across these challenges, you you can't do it yourself. You don't mm. have the expertise or the knowledge. Spot on. I think a lot of people come into it, and I'll have a chat with a number of new clients going, oh, what happens if something goes wrong? And I'm like, something will absolutely go wrong. It's, again, how we handle it, but also having the right protection in place. Mm. Like insurance is there for a reason. That when things go belly up, hot water, the amount of times I hear hot water systems failing or in this situation exploding, it's so common. And that's mm-hmm. what insurance is there for. And so you don't sweat the relatively small stuff because... That's what insurance is there for. And then a good quality property manager knows your rights, knows the tenant's rights, and knows how to manage trades coming in and out, what what scope of work needs to be done as well, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Any other other hiccups that you've had? Or, I mean, finance has been one, but, yeah, keep going. Finance was probably the hardest one um, Mm. that caused me the most amount of stress. And it's, look, I (laughs) couldn't have done it without you and your team. (laughs) Um, and but it's again, it was one of those situations where I it was completely out of my control. So mm. I was completely reliant on you and the, the team of people who were working behind the scenes and liaising with the bank and trying different options. So you've got to really have the right people who know what they're doing at your disposal. But apart from that, I mean, minor things, there's always going to be issues with the tenants, you know, something will get broken or something needs to be maintained. And then, you know, I've had tenants that, you know, were going through a personal trauma as well and they were getting family members to deal with things um, and getting quite irate. And in that instance, you know, everything is fed to me through the property manager. So that's, Mm. again, when you need someone who's experienced and knows what they're doing. But then also I've encountered property managers who are pretty crap and aren't communicative. So, yeah, you get a bit of everything with investing. It's not all smooth sailing all the time. Yeah. We hear all the good stories about how much values have gone up or how much extra cash flow. But, yeah, these are are the realities. And I often say the the property manager is one of the unsung heroes in the team Mm. because you don't realise when or how important a property manager is until things go wrong. That's and then exactly you, that's right. That's the true litmus test on how actually knowledgeable they are, um, how personal they are, because they're our middle person between us, the tenant, and our asset as well, isn't it? That's exactly right. And the way that I've learnt, because um, I didn't really know going into it what property managers did, the way I've learnt to tell what a good property manager is is someone who is going to be straight up, very communicative, and as soon as there's an issue, they call you on the phone and follow it up with an email. Mm -hmm. Um, I've experienced, you know, found issues um, that the property manager has emailed me about a week after they've happened. Yeah. It's just not good enough. Ah, Well said. Well said. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we get to see it all the time from a personal perspective but also seeing numerous clients. The property manager is one relationship where, they're there to protect your interests, but also keep the tenants happy as well. Because a happy tenant means less turnover. Less turnover means, you know, consistency, rental income, and not having periods of vacancy as well. So that's why, yeah, to anyone listening, if you think if anyone's ever considered DIY managing a property or selling rec- 
certainly discourage that as a, as a thought process as well because probably managers are worth their weight in gold. Mm. Yeah, I guess from you, looking back on your journey and then looking forward ideally to what you want to build out of your portfolio, if you had to kind of summarise your journey or give uh, your insights, your uh, pass some knowledge on, what would you say to someone that's considering you know, investing in property or considering growing their portfolio like you have? Look, that's a that's a big question. I, th- mm. I think the first thing I'd say is do it and do it now because the longer you let it wait, the more it costs in uh, upfront. So working in the arts industry, I work with a lot of creatives and people who do a lot of contract work, uh, which is great. And we've got lots of creative freedom. However, the banks don't look so favorably on that. So if you yeah. do, if you do, and I've experienced that myself, you know, you have to prove with so many different methods of payment that you can sustain the loan. But, you know, my friends have been talking, oh, yeah, I should invest. But the longer you leave it, the harder it is. So if if you can just get your foot in the door, Mm. that's the best thing to do because it's a great start. And probably the second thing I'd, I'd say is have a plan. So think about where you want to be in five years' time. You know, you might want to start small or you might want to have, like I did, an apartment where you can rent out the other room. Mm. And then with the aim of, you know, buying an apartment of your own in a different location, maybe down the track. Uh, And probably the third thing to to conclude all of the good advice, (laughs) hopefully good advice. It definitely is, yeah. (laughs) um, Would be to have a good team who knows what they're doing. So, Go to people who can give you the best advice, you know, people who have invested themselves um, because they're the ones who have the knowledge and the power and can guide you in the right direction because when you're starting off, you don't necessarily have all the information and you need those people backing you, particularly like when we experienced, Aaron, when times get really tough, you know, there was nothing, absolutely zero that I could have done. If I hadn't had you and the team working behind you, I wouldn't have got that property that's going so amazingly well now. Yeah, thanks, Leah. It's, and that's what it is. I think you mentioned it. it's teamwork, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a client, for example, it's about being organised, being responsive. It's about then choosing the right team to come on the journey with you. And like you're saying, people that are maybe two or three steps ahead of you that have been there, done that, they can have those blind spots on to go, hey, if this happens, then this is what you need to do, for example. And um, having your skin in the game is also super, super important that they're investors themselves, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it is, it is hard, but taking that first step and just getting in there, mm. uh, you, won't, you won't regret it. Beautiful. Leah, I want to say thank you very much. I, I really appreciate your, your transparency and your openness as well. I know it's a lot to come out and, and be open about your portfolio, but uh, it's been such a pleasure to watch you grow, build, mature as well in, in, in your portfolio uh, plans and also your personal plans as well. So I want to say thank you very much for your time. Thank you for sharing with us as well. You're welcome. My uh, pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Nah, thank you very much. That wraps up another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. If you found this helpful, leave us a review. Or if you want to get in touch and, and ask a couple of questions about building your own portfolio, we'd love to help as well. So I've been your host, Aaron Christie-David, and we'll chat to you soon. Thanks very much. Thanks.